We thank God for 2023. Uh, these are time spaces, as we often call them. Um, they often time will represent, you know, or carry certain memories because of what happens within a year. And so when I say 2022, all sorts of things come up in our hearts and minds. We think about all sorts of things. Uh, so we thank God for the time space called 2023. And um, we, we know that God has led us through 2022. And we know that he is faithful and is going to lead us again in 2023. Um, we need the grace of God. How many of us know that? Huh? Yeah. You need the grace of God. You need the resource from heaven. You need the spirit of God to help, to, to lead you. Uh, uh, to help you through the year. And so in meetings and in gatherings like this, we come here to, to, to tap into the resources of heaven. Uh, you never want to come to Sunday and not be able to tap into a resource from heaven to, uh, to strengthen you, to empower you, to go through the week, through the months, and through the year. Uh, we need the resources of heaven. Uh, we often call the, the we call these Sunday gatherings uh, portals and interfaces. Um, this is a place where we touch God. All that we do, the program is designed for us to touch God. The the objective of the program, uh, we start with you know a powerful greeting from Mafa. Um, you know, even if you feel low, when Mafa starts greet greeting, you get, you kind of wake up, right? Who, who identifies what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and then worship kicks in, and then we get into the word of God. But it's all designed to, be, to serve as a portal to allow us to tap into heaven and to touch the things of God, to be empowered by the grace of God so that we can walk through the week, the months, and the year, 2023, and face whatever situations that are going to come our way. Um, uh, inside of our lives, inside of our families, inside of our careers, our, um, you know, if you're in Kazi, getting ready to go back to Johannesburg, you want to be strengthened by the Lord, right? Uh, to be able to go back to Vets and face whatever that Vets presents in 2023. If you're just 10, 14, you know, you want to, you want well, the grace of God to, to help you face what 14 presents. I don't know what 14 presents. <laughs> high school. High school, 14, high school. Man, it's getting hectic here. It's getting hectic. High school, you know, uh, you know, you know turning 14, it's getting, it's getting hectic. We, we all need the grace of God in, in our context, in our spaces, in our journeys to be able to um, uh, you know, face life and overcome life and and, and the Bible calls us, you know, it says we are more than conquerors. It, it presupposes the idea that we're in the warfare. You, you, can't, you can't be a conqueror unless you con you're conquering something. And sometimes we like these scriptures, right? I'm more than a conqueror. But <laughs> when God presents us with the opportunity to conquer, we want to run away. <laughs> but we quote them, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. Eh? And then God says, okay, let's, let, let me give you a mountain to conquer. And then you don't want to conquer. It's like, how do you become more than a conqueror if you have nothing to present that you've been conquering? Right? How many of us want to conquer a bunch of stuff in 2023? Yeah, we need the grace of God. And so what I want to do today is, as we talk about, this is a portal. This is an interface. This is where we tap, come to encounter God. 
I want to I wanna present and, and declare to you what really reflects my prayers and petitions for us as a community as we step into 2023. And this is really just going to be a, a presentation, a declaration, a, a proclamation of what we want to see, what we want to thrive in in 2023, what it is that we want to excel in inside of this life, yeah? And inside of this time, space called 2020, so 2023. So I call these prayers and petitions. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a presentation, it's a proclamation, it's a declaration of our heart before the Lord in terms of the things that we want to thrive in. And are you ready for this? Yeah, you all good? And so let's, let's go through this. Just, just um, uh, yeah, the idea is just to present these. And, and yes, we're going to do a, a bit of teaching through them, a bit of explaining through them. But really, the idea is to present them, to declare them, to release them into the atmosphere so that we, 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 we can rise up in our faith and our convictions before the Lord and capture something in the spirit. The reason why we come to meetings on Sunday is to capture something in the spirit and go back home empowered to face life. So let's talk about what are the prayers and petitions for us in 2023. The first one has to be this idea of living our lives in Christ. And let's say the phrase in Christ. Let's say that again, in Christ. We want to live much more powerfully our lives in Christ. The, 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 the phrase in Christ is quite common in the New Testament. Uh, we are in Christ. Of course, uh, we're going to read the scripture just now in 2 Corinthians 5.17. But the phrase in Christ is quite a common phrase in the word of God in the New Testament. And so I want to, part of what is my heart for us, LSA, is that as we step into 2023, we're living much more powerfully in Christ that we are finding the in Christ component to be our home, to be a place where we recline, to be a place of our safety. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Only in Christ do we have the power to overcome the old. And to powerfully step into the new. Only in Christ. Not through New Year's resolutions. Not through some other you know, mechanism or wisdom or whatever. Only in Christ do we have the power to overcome the old life. And to more powerfully step into the new. Christ has to be our frame as we step into this time space called 2023. Christ must be our universe. That phrase in Christ simply means, theologically speaking, doctrinally speaking, the phrase in Christ means Christ is our defined sphere of options and limits. He is our defined sphere of options and of limits. It means that he is a driver through which we compute life, the situations of life. I don't know what situation you, you're going through and I may know some of the situations that some of us are going through, but what driver do we use to compute, to make sense of those situations? We've got to be in Christ. Christ must be the driver, the principles of Christ, the way of Christ, the, 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 the way of life in Christ must be 
our driver, must be the mechanism by which we compute life. In fact, the word, word in the beginning was the word of God. We talk of the word of God, the logos. That, the word logos means to compute something. So when God gives us his word, he's giving us a mechanism to compute life, to make sense of life. Uh, we have options, you know, that we can use to make sense of life. We can use our own opinions. We can use culture. We can use our own feelings. But really, God has given us his word to serve as a mechanism by which we compute the situations that are before us. You can take one situation that you are faced with, situation, let's call it situation A, and you can compute that using your own feelings and arrive at a particular outcome. Or you can compute that using your own ethnic culture and that will you know, take you to a particular outcome. But if you compute that using the word of Christ, that equally will take you to a, to, a, to a particular outcome. So what that means is that two people can be facing an exact same situation, but if they are using different mechanisms to compute that situation, they will definitely arrive at different outcomes. Yeah, you, you, got, you get that? So the, the Christ, his word, is our computing mechanism. The word logos means to reason things out. The word logos means to have a discourse, to, to make sense of something. It's like um, the story of Abraham being sent by God to sacrifice his son. And in Hebrews 11 verse 19 it says, He reasoned within himself that God was able to raise the dead. So Abraham had to have a, a mechanism, a thing, that, a wisdom that he used, a knowledge base, a knowledge system that he used to compute the situation, and his situa situation was God's instruction to sacrifice his, one, his, you know, his son Isaac. And it says he reasoned within himself. He thought, he literally exercised his mind, but within a particular context. And that context was God, that context was the nature of God. And so he made sense that, well, if God commands me to go and sacrifice my son, but the same God has spoken that through this son, the promise shall be achieved and facilitated, it means that God has an intent to raise his son from the dead. Yeah? It's almost like a mathematical, you know, computing that, computation of a situation based on how I know God and based on how I know Christ. That's what it means to know, to be in Christ. So I want to say if a man is in Christ, that man is a new creation or that person is a new creation, we really literally mean that when you and I are faced with situations, we need to take a few steps back and begin to compute based on the nature of Christ. What the situation is, what is the outcome based on who Christ is. For, for Abraham, it was this. God said things are going to happen through this boy. You know, that the future is through Isaac. But that same God is saying, I must put him on the altar and sacrifice him. It therefore means that God has a plan to raise him from the dead. Yeah, that's a man computing based on his knowledge of God. And so I want to encourage us, LSA, during this 2023, let us exercise life more and more within a reality of life called in Christ. And not simply in your feelings, opinions, 
and culture that surround. Any one of those things can help you to compute. Your feelings can help you to compute a situation. Your, you know, the culture from which you come, your ethnic culture, can help you to compute a situation. Your opinions can help you to compute a situation. But equally, you have yet another option, which is in Christ. If a man is in Christ, that person is a new creation. That's how we encounter newness, in other words. The more we encounter situation or face situation, situations of life based on the in Christ reality, is the more newness come our way. How many of us have felt, after having obeyed God, you felt a sense of renewal inside of your own heart? You felt like, wow, you feel, you feel the sense of newness. You feel, like, you feel like you can take on, you feel like God can bring more mountains to you. Because obedience ushers in a sense of being a, a warrior within your own heart. A sense of, of being able to take on challenges of life. And that's what I want to encourage us to do. And equally, disobedience brings shame. It brings um, a sense of failure. And when we have disobeyed God, we, we feel like we want to run away, we want to hide, we want to run back to the valleys. When we've disobeyed God... We feel like yeah, we're not worthy to do anything, to take on anything for God. But the more we obey is the more we feel like warriors, is the more the roar of God enters our heart. The righteous, you know, have the roar of God inside of their own heart. And, and that's what we want. You know, they, they are as bold as a lion. Righteousness brings the boldness of God within us so that we can roar in the face of situations I want to encourage us that Christ becomes our universe inside of 2023, even much more powerfully that he becomes, that we're orbiting within Christ, that we are not overstepping the boundaries. It does not matter the situation, but always orbit within the limits of Christ, and that's important. So can we get the in Christ component right, yeah, in 2023? And we pray, God help us, to get the in Christ component right inside of 2023. The second prayer is the whole issue of possessing the passion of Christ within our own hearts. That after having lived within Christ, that his passion is overflowing within my heart and within your heart. His passion, the passion of the Christ is overflowing within your heart and within my heart. And that's our second prayer before the Lord as we start this 2023. I want your passion, God, to overflow within my heart. I want your passion to overflow within my soul. I want the rivers of living waters to, to, to be, you know, bubbling within my soul. I don't want drought within my own heart. I want your passion inside of 2023. What is the passion of the Christ? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, the passion of the Christ, it says here, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may, you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings. That word sufferings, I think we looked at it last year, is a word that means on the one hand, it means hardship and pain, but also that word sufferings means passion and affections. So hardship and pain, in other words, think of difficulty and challenge. Everybody, as you grow up, there must, there's going to be some challenge inside of your life. 
we say that uh, Brooklyn is getting to high school, there's going to be a challenge that comes with that territory called high school. That's what, you know, that's the, that, that's the word sufferings. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So to participate in the sufferings of Christ is to participate in his hardships, in his pain, but it really is to, it is to participate in his passions and in his affections. So in other, in other words, what that means is that your tears reflect your passions. The things that you cry about reflect your passions. What you consider as pain reflects your passion. And the question, let's say, is what is your pain? What is my pain? We all choose our pains, right? Not, not everything brings pain to you. you know. Not everything is going to bring pain to you. And I know that you know, we live in a world, uh, you know, we, we have, we, you know, we, 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 we support uh, sporting clubs and sometimes we cry when those clubs lose, right? That reflects our suffering. <laughs> Your tears reflect your passions, reflects our passions. And there's nothing wrong with getting into sports and stuff like that. But, uh, but, uh, but here's the thing, you know, um, there will always be the core of the issues that you consider to be important inside of your own life. And those things constitute your pain. When they are disturbed, something gets disturbed in you. What is our pain and what is my pain? Your life, is it my life or is it the Christ in my life? And the thing that I want to encourage us to be crying about is not just our lives. The thing that I want to encourage us to be crying about is the Christ in our life. You should cry more when you lose the Christ in your life. Not just simply your life. In fact, you are meant to lose your life, right? In order to gain it. You are meant to lose it in order to gain it. But the thing that should really send you to a place where you are crying and, 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 and pouring tears is when you lose the Christ in your life. So the Christ is my pain. Christ in my life is my pain. And so we, we, we can either have the sufferings of self or we can have the sufferings of Christ. The scripture we read says, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of self. No. In the sufferings of Christ, yes, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So we want to be encountering the sufferings of Christ in our lives and not the sufferings of self. So I need us, LSA, to be thinking as we start the year to think about what, what truly constitutes pain inside of me. Is it my life or is it Christ in me? When do I pour my tears? Is it when my life is disturbed or is it when Christ in me is disturbed? That's a very, very significant question that. There are sufferings of self and there are sufferings of Christ. I want to challenge you and I want to exhort you and encourage you to pursue more and more the passion of the Christ and not the passion of the self. Yep. Yeah? To pursue the passion of the Christ and not the passion of the self. Why do we want to do this? What's the, what's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? Here's the difference. An unbeliever goes through challenges of life 
with the passion to establish personal well-being. And what is this trail? What is it that he leaves behind? It is this issue of material success that displays self-determination. You know, when you don't know God, really the thing that you want to display is your sense of self-determination. Your ability to fight through life and overcome life. So when you're an unbeliever, you're going through the challenges of life, but it does not mean that when you're an unbeliever, you're not going through challenges of life. You are, in fact, going through the, through the challenges of life. And your passion is to display or achieve personal well-being, which means that personal well-being is your pain. Personal well-being is a thing that brings tears, you know, to your eyes, you know, when you're an unbeliever. And the thing that you want to display, the thing that you are leaving, your, your trail is material success through self-determination. You really want to display how powerful you are as a person. How, you know, resolved you are. Your, the power of your resolution. Your ability to, 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 to overwhelm the, you know, the life and life circumstances and be able to overcome them. When you're a believer, though, you're also equally going through the challenges of life. How many of us know that? You're also going through the challenges of life with the passion to witness about the Lordship of Christ. Your passion is to witness about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what is your trail when you're a believer? Your trail is to display the righteousness of God and obedience to Jesus Christ. And so that when people look at you and people look at you going through life and life situations and issues, the thing they need to be constantly seeing is the display of righteousness. It's a display of a, a life, a person who is committed to obedience, uh, who will do all that they need to do in order to obey the, the voice of the Lord inside of their own life. The thing, the commonality between person A who is the unbeliever, and person B, who is a believer, is that they both are going through challenges of life. You know, sometimes people backslide and leave this, you know, Jesus and church thing because they think it's going to be easy out there, you know. Human beings will always be going through challenges of life. And I want to challenge us, LSA, to pick our battles. Let your battle be around a displaying of the witness of the Lord inside of your own life. The, 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 when you're going through issues, whether it's your vocational life, your marriage life, your family life, your whatever life, the thing that you want to be constantly displaying is God's righteousness and your obedience to Jesus. In other words, that basically means your life is a witness to somebody. You will always be going through challenge. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Man, God cast man in, in Genesis chapter 3 and, and the whole thing about hardship and difficulty is very much a part of the process of life. We choose what that battle is for me. I want the battle of Christ. I want the sufferings of Christ. And I want the passion of the Christ and not the passion of self. Can we do that, LSA? Yeah? Can we walk more powerfully through the passion of the Christ. Now, if I, wanna ch if I challenge you right now and say, hey, wh what are the situations that are before you? What's on your dashboard? You know, everybody has a dashboard. Yeah? Everybody has a dashboard. 
you know, and you have to touch some buttons and move things around and things move and, and, and through decision making and all sorts of things. Everybody has a dashboard. Um, what's on your life? What's on your table? What's before you? That's the first question. And how are you going to engage with it? What, do you, what constitutes your pain? How do you pick your battles? You know, how do you distinguish between a battle of self and a battle of Christ? How do you distinguish between the passion of self and the passion of Christ inside of your life? So in 2023, in this time space called 2023, we want to walk much more powerfully in what the Bible calls the passion of the Christ, the sufferings of Christ. That means that I'm really walking through life, walking through my life as a man, as a woman, walking through my marriage, walking through my family, walking through my vocational life, walking through my business, but with the objective to display the witness of the Lord, the righteousness of God, to obey the Lord. That when people look at me going through life, they're not just seeing stories, a bunch of stories. If people have been looking at you for over, you know, tracking you for the last, say, two years, the thing they must be seeing is a man, a woman, who will do all that they need to do to display the righteousness of God. So passion equals suffering, as we said last, last year. And suffering reflects your passion. The thing that constitutes pain inside of your own heart reflects your passions equally. Of course, you want to, you know, uh, 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 structure your passions and form your passions correctly in Christ so that that scripture may be true of you. Rejoice that you participate, not in the sufferings of self, but in the sufferings of Christ. That's the second issue. Can we walk much more powerfully in the passion of Christ? Number three, let's make the kingdom first. Let's make the kingdom first. Let the kingdom of God regain its, you know, its, its authority inside of our own heart. And that was the, like, the New Year's exhortation to you, LSA. And, and we throw that uh, as number three, as, 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 as part of our prayers and petitions before the Lord inside of 2023. I want inside of 2023, the kingdom of God must be first in my life. To make the kingdom first, we have to deal with the God of personal well-being. Well, this is how Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, verses 24 to 34. He talks about we cannot serve God and, you know, and, and, and money all at the same time. We can't have two masters inside of our own heart. That's how it begins in verse 24 in Matthew 6. And he continues to talk about you know, how life is bigger than clothes that you wear. Bigger than the food that you eat. So Jesus is confronting us. And that scripture is designed not for the billionaires and the millionaires. It is designed for, for, for everybody. You know, grappling through life and wrestling with life. And having to confront, you know, the insecurities in life. And Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve the God of your personal well-being, which is represented by money. And God all at the same time. To make the kingdom first, we've got to deal with the God of personal well-being or 
what Jesus equally calls in Matthew 13, verse 22, the worries of this life that choke the flow of the kingdom of God inside of our lives. The God of personal well-being is the enemy of the kingdom of God. The enemy of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is the authority of God in my life. The extent to which God has authority inside of my own heart. Now we can read the word of God and know it. We can listen to teachings. But what is the extent of the authority of the voice of God in my heart? Does, you know, do, do I move when God speaks? That, that's the question of the kingdom of God. When, when I read his word and I'm confronted by his word, you know, does it gain ascendancy over my opinions? That's the question of the kingdom. And to, to make the kingdom first is to confront those sort of questions. Does the word of God have authority and supremacy over my opinions? Does the voice of God usher in me action and, and process? Or I simply know it. Do I know it to do it, to perform it? Do I respect the word of the Lord inside of my own heart? When God speaks, do I move or, you know, I linger in this conflict between the word of God and self-opinion? That's the question of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the authority of God, the extent to which God has authority in my heart. So the question of the kingdom takes us beyond just knowing about scripture to use the scripture as the authority of God inside of my own heart. The, the word of God is final, in other words. When I'm taught the word of God and when I'm convicted by the spirit of God that this is the word of God, then that becomes final. I don't argue with it. That's the kingdom of God. It is the rule of God. It is God ruling within my own heart, telling me how to be and what to do. That's the kingdom of God. And when I regain that, because that was lost during the pandemic season, because, you know, we had to survive. We were concerned about personal well-being, and, and, and we have to wrestle with these things in some shape and form. The authority of God inside of my own heart. When he tells me what to do, do I actually do it? When I'm in a situation and God speaks, do I actually resolve on the basis of God speaking or do I argue with him? Now, when last did I experience the whole reality of God speaking and me stepping into action? Because God has spoken inside of my own heart. His voice, his word, and his will are the authority inside of my own heart. The word that I read, the word that has been spoken right inside of this meeting, uh, when the Spirit of God whispers inside of my own heart, do I actually act? Oh, I mm, kind of argue with it. I know about it, but it's not final inside of my own heart. Jesus says, and he's helping us here in Matthew 6, verses 24 to, th to 34, which you can read at home. He says, we are valuable in the heart of the Father. In verse 26, and we still, uh, you know, I think probably going to still go through the kingdom first teaching uh, some, 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 you know, uh, sometime this year. You are valuable in the heart of the Father. That's what Jesus says in verse 26, Matthew 6. And, and then he says, um, uh, the Father cares for you in verse 30. And he says, your needs have been quantified in heaven. And he says, because of that, because of that, make the kingdom, make the voice of God 
the authority. Seek that first. The point of doing life is to seek first his authority. And to do that, like I said, dethrone the God of personal well-being. You've got to dethrone the God of personal well-being. Look at your neighbor and say, dethrone the God of personal well-being. Yeah, that's important. Now, do not make personal well-being the core driver of your decisions and choices. And Jesus says, stop worrying and start seeking. Stop worrying and start seeking. Let's say that together. Stop worrying, start seeking. Because if, we, if you worry, there's not going to be a seeking. Worry will preoccupy your energy, in other words. And man, we, we all need this word because we all find ourselves in some situation. There is always something to worry about. That does not mean, and God is not saying here, you know, don't be responsible, don't plan, you know. But he's saying stop worrying. And to worry is to be anxious. That word means to be troubled in mind. The word worry means, you know, a mental destruction. That's how it's defined. So it's talking about a mental state, that word worry. It's not, God is not saying don't plan and don't make plans. He's saying don't worry. Let not your mind be distracted by the issues of life. Clear your mind. So we want to be battling inside of 2023 for, for the territory of my mind to be free. I want my, the territory of my mind to be a free space for God to move, to inspire me with illumination and inspiration, to bring me to a place where I can seek. You cannot seek if you're worrying. Yeah? Yes? You cannot, you cannot seek if you are worrying. So to be worried or to be anxious, to have anxiety, is to be troubled of mind, is to have mental disruption or destruction. In other words, it's almost like is to have a mental block. You can no longer imagine the future. How many of you know, we, we may have found ourselves in a situation like that, right? You have a mental block and you can no longer imagine what God actually wants tomorrow, where God is leading me. You, you have a, a curtain that is covering your mind. Your, the, the eye of your inspiration has been covered by the curtain of worry and you no longer are able to imagine what could be. The people of God have to find themselves in a place of imagination. To seek is to imagine. Imagine my life. Imagine my marriage. Imagine my family. Imagine my kids. Imagine my career, my vocation. Imagine where I'm going to be five years down the line. Imagine my business. Imagine my community. Imagine the next five years. It, that is what seeking means. You know, to seek after something, to inquire of the Lord, to plot against life. And I love that definition of the word seek, meaning to plot against life, to see how I'm going to navigate through the issues of life on the basis of the imperative of his kingdom in my heart. Because his kingdom is important. His authority is important. I don't want to lose the imperative of his authority. And so, therefore, I work out a, you know, a map of life. Yeah? 
of how I'm going to navigate my marriage, how I'm going to deal with life situations. When situations come, I have a choice to deal with them a particular way. Seek, to seek after something, to inquire and to plot against life. And to see, in order to seek, you have to stop worrying. You know? And when I come to that place where we are seekers of life, we are seeking something in God. Uh, to seek the kingdom of God first is to do life with the priority of establishing and of displaying the authority and the righteousness of God in the earth. That's the objective. And I have that objective in every aspect of my life, in my you know, educational life, in my family life, in my marriage life. I want to establish the righteousness of God. In my business life, I want to establish the righteousness of God. And that's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, let's say, you are not successful in life unless the outcomes always lend you to a place where righteousness prevails. Let me say that again. You are not successful in life unless the outcomes of your process in life always land you to a place called righteousness. Amen? Yeah? You are not successful in life unless the outcomes of your process of life keep landing you to a place called righteousness. We're not just simply project managing life. We're not just logistical managers and you know, just coming up with creative solutions around life. But really, the thing that we're after is the righteousness of God. That's what we want to establish inside of life, inside of our lives, inside of our families, inside of our children. And if we achieve a bunch of things in life without God's righteousness, we have failed. So to worry is to be caught up in this cycle of complaining about the misfortunes of life. To seek is to have a determination to produce the life of God in the earth, inside of your space. So from worrying, I'm going to move, we call this the big shift, we can call this, the big shift in 2023, that you and I are moving from worrying to, to seeking. Can we do that? Can you discipline yourself each time you find yourself in a mode of worrying? God, wake me up here. Because Jesus said, actually, you can't add an hour by worrying. The deception of worry is that you feel like the more you worry, the more life is going to somehow move around. Yeah? It, it, that's a deception. So, can we go through the big shift? LSA in 2023? What is the big shift? Move from worry to seeking. And can we help one another in these things? Inside of spaces of fellowship, when we talk to one another. When you start hearing your friend, your fellow believer, your fellow brother, sister, start moaning about life, like, mm, I don't like that voice. Come out of it. Snap. Let's break that. Come out and become a seeker. I want to hear a conversation, a voice of pursuit inside of you. We want, we want the Gazis and the Kiaras to have seeking inside of their own heart. Yeah. As they grow up 
as it become like young, you know, as a step into life, uh, to more powerfully become people, young women that are seeking something in life. To seek is to look, is to search. You know, when you're seeking, it means that you, have a, uh, you are very selective about what you are after. It means that there's a particular thing that you are looking for. You, know, you don't seek everything, right? You don't seek everybody. When you're seeking, you're looking for a specific thing that you believe God has as an inheritance for you. So to seek is to have a jealousy of God inside of your own heart. The jealousy of God is that I have a, a particular inheritance. I'm not just going to take anything and everything that comes my way. In a sense, Habakkuk is trying to encourage us when it talks about, you know, write down the revelation, write down the, the vision, and wait for it. That word wait means to, to selectively identify that thing that you believe is the, the, the will of God for you. It means I'm not just picking anything and everything that comes my way. There is a jealousy of God inside of my own heart. And that jealousy drives me toward a particular choice. Yeah? I'm confined. I'm not just going to choose anything. I have a goal, a standard of God, and I'm after it. Philippians chapter 3, right? You know, you know, we're pressing towards a standard, a goal that is heavenward in Christ Jesus. I have a goal and I'm after it. And I'm going to press into that goal until I achieve it. I'm not going to settle for a substandard life. I am shifting from worrying to seeking. Yeah. When I seek, I make plans around challenges of life. When I worry, I simply moan around the challenges of life. Yeah? That's a big, big, big difference there. Can we do that? That's a big shift for us in 2023. Can we do that? From worrying to, 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 to seeking uh, as we make the kingdom of God first inside of our own heart. And basically, Jesus is saying, the kingdom is not going to come by to people who are worrying and moaning. The kingdom of God is going to come to people who are seeking and searching. And to step out of their comfort zones to selectively look out for that which is the inheritance of God for their lives. Is God going to come to people who are folding their arms and who are sitting in comfort? Because Solomon says, I saw the field of the sluggard. It was full of weeds and all sorts of things, right? Because there's no cultivation and planning and, you know, process and proactivity inside of that context. We want to be a pro proactive people that are seeking something in God. Kingdom first. Number four, can you step into spiritual maturity? Yep. Spiritual maturity in 2023. Greater depths of spiritual maturity. And yes, we have a degree of spiritual maturity that we've achieved over the years, but we want to step into greater depths of spiritual maturity. And to illustrate this point around spiritual maturity, I want to use the example of Joseph and Mary. Remember that young couple, Joseph and Mary? Yeah? Yes? They are, they are, in a sense, they are, they are the reason why you're here. <laughs> God used them to usher in baby Jesus. Now, Joseph and Mary were young, right? They were not an old couple. They were young. 
So we're talking young love, young romance. They are on a path to establish family. So you can imagine, the wedding date is set. Young people probably would have been, you know, uh, late, you know, maybe early 20s. Yeah, about to get married, the wedding date is set. They're on a path to establish a family, and God shows up and disrupts them through his and by his purpose. But what we see about this couple, this young couple, is that they are not immature, they're not frivolous, and they're not fooling around. And they are an example not just of marriage, but of what could be and what young people can achieve. Yeah? And if you are 30, 30 plus, you are much older than them. And let's look at Joseph and Mary and be inspired by their young life. And, and this is not a marriage talk. This is just looking at young people. Yes, they're, they're married, but they're young, right? And so because we're all young here, are we all young here? We can identify with them. <laughs> this young couple called Joseph and Mary. The wedding, the wedding date is set. Caterers are booked. They're going to be cooking a, you know, a, an amazing meal. They've been going through premarital counseling. Man, everything is set. The, the wedding gown has been bought. It's waiting in the wardrobe. You know, Mary is excited. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. It basically means that Joseph is part of a royal family, his royalty. He is inside of the family line of David, right? That's Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. In Matthew chapter 1, so let's read that again. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But Joseph uh, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph is a good guy. He's not going to write a long Facebook post about the scandal. Let's read it again, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We know what it means. It means Joseph, at this point in time, did not believe that this baby was through the Holy Spirit. He probably thought maybe he's Joseph, maybe third, maybe Gary or some crush that... Uh, some guy that's been looking at uh, <laughs> some guy that's been looking at uh, Mary. Like what? What did Gary do? That's how he's thinking about. It. Don't read it as a Bible. Get into into Joseph's mind, right? Be Joseph. You are you are about to get married. 
you are in love, it's young, it's exciting, it's all happening, and then your fiance is pregnant. And surely there's been guys that have been eyeing her at high school, and you start thinking, maybe it's that guy. Maybe it's that guy. And then he's thinking to break up, if you want to use modern language. Right? He's thinking to break up. And we're seeing God intervening inside a situation of romance here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Amazing story. So the guy is about to break up, and we're seeing a picture of spiritual maturity in young people here, young couple, young people, however you want to look at it. If you're married, you can look at them from that place of marriage. But I really just want us to see young people stepping into the things of God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Interesting. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they, the Magi, the wise men, had gone... The Magi come and they worship, you know, they celebrate the baby Jesus. And then they go. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. I want you to see a shift from a man who's worried and who's about to break up, wants to break up, to a man who's starting to lead the family. In other words, the voice of God does something to these people. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I, I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So what did he do? What did he do? He got up. The whole there comes in the whole issue of the, the authority of God inside of our own lives. Spiritual maturity. Beautiful picture of spiritual maturity. He got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Matthew 2 verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in, uh, in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. What did he do? He got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. We see a man who will obey God without arguing with the voice of God. What do we see here? Young people in a young family that can steward the purposes of God. The story of Joseph and Mary tells us that actually young people can steward big things in the purposes of God. Can we live lives of the kingdom that transcend our age by the power of the Spirit of God in 2023? Can we refuse to be frivolous and to be immature and to step into a place where God can use us like he did to Joseph and Mary to steward something significant in his purposes. What do we see? Courage. We see courage um, in Mary, this young woman called Mary, in following God deeper and deeper into his purposes. What do we see? We see a righteous young man who will do all that he can to avoid a scandal. 
to avoid a scandal. Can we, can we be a people in the house of God that are not prone to scandals? Yeah? I mean, it's like we, we, we don't want scandals and we don't think scandals are cool. Eh? Scandals are cool these days in Facebook. So if it was 2023, Joseph is thinking about breaking up, but he's thinking about how to do that properly. And he's kind of justified. Your fiance is pregnant. She's telling you the story that the angel appeared. Who? Which fiance? Which guy will believe that? You know, if you if you're Joseph, you wouldn't believe that story. Gabriel, <laughs> I mean, for many people came to you <laughs> before you got, and you know, Gabriel appeared, and that's why I'm pregnant. It's like, what kind of story is that? What kind of story is that? But the amazing thing in the midst of what is potentially a scandal is that this guy is so righteous. He's thinking about how to do this in a way that does not embarrass. Yeah? Mary. In a way that does not draw public's attention. Public attention to them. So, that's righteousness. That's a good man. Joseph is a good man. Although Joseph had decided to break up, he allows God to intervene and to change the cause of his thinking. God shows up by his, you know, through a dream and tells Joseph what was going on. We always, LSA, want a perspective from heaven, yeah? What I want to challenge you to do in 2023, always seek a perspective from, from heaven, Seek a perspective from heaven. What is going on? Not a perspective of feelings, but a perspective from heaven. So Joseph shifts from a perspective of feelings to a perspective from heaven. And what happens is that there is reconciliation inside of this couple that is facilitated by the voice of God. They are brought back by God and God saves them from a potential breakup. The voice of God actually repositions things inside of this marriage in such a way that Joseph shifts from being a victim of love to being the rightful head of his family. Do you see that? That he begins by thinking about how to break up to, and then he comes to a place of, actually I can lead my family because there's, there's God inside of this. And we see a cycle of hearing and obedience as God shows up constantly to this, Joseph will do it. As God shows up, Joseph would do it. And that, for me, is a picture of young people, is a picture of a young family that reflects spiritual maturity in what is actually a very complicated situation. Yeah. Nobody wants to embarrass, embarrass anybody here. Everybody wants, is yielding to a perspective from heaven. Joseph is not after the angel has shown up. Saying, hey, I, I don't know, you know, I think, I think there's something here. There's something more here. He is leaning towards a perspective from heaven. And that is what brings them back together. Because for a while, there would have been tension here. You can imagine them trying to meet over, you know, in a coffee shop and trying to talk. And there's tension. Joseph, Joseph thinks that Mary has been unfaithful. Until the angel of the Lord shows up and begins to redirect in there. Do we want the voice of God to direct and to govern in the affairs of our lives? Because that's, that's what we see inside of this. Spiritual maturity. 
And I say, it's to allow the voice of God to govern in the affairs of my life. The voice of God has ultimate authority. God can tell me and can give me perspective in the midst of life, in the midst of situations, in the midst of my affairs. He can show me and tell me exactly what is going on. And so I'm inspired by Joseph and Mary and how they are used by God to navigate. And I'm inspired by the fact that the young people, young family, young romance, they are stepping into the things of God. And God could use them to usher in the greatest thing God has ever done inside of humanity, which was the birth of Jesus Christ. How amazing is this? That God does not pick a, a well-seasoned couple that's been working with him for 30, 40 years, and he picks this young couple, right? And they have nobody but the voice of God to help them to navigate through this. Yeah, Joseph is mad and upset and he wants to break up, but he leans towards a perspective from heaven and God tells him, this is from God. This is not the fruit of unfaithfulness. You know? And that for Joseph brings resolution. How do you prove it? The question is, how do you prove it? That brings resolution inside of his own heart and it it realigns him and repositions him to a place where we begin to see God is no longer talking to Mary. God is talking to Joseph now. Yeah? Joseph, do this and that. Joseph, do. So he is repositioned by the voice of God to a place where he is the head of the family. The voice of God inside of us, inside of us, is what places us in life properly and correctly and how God shows up. And I think for me, Joseph and Mary are a picture of spiritual maturity. Can we be more mature in 2023, LSA? Yeah? More maturity inside of, inside, inside of our lives. Number five, prosperity. Prosperity. We want the prosperity of God. Prosperity. We want the prosperity of God. We want the prosperity of God. 2 Corinthians, a chronicle story, chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. We're talking spiritual prosperity here, um, kingdom prosperity here. And that word in Hebrew is the word salak, you shall prosper. That's what the king says to the people in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, I, I, that is David being anointed here, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. The, the phrase came upon is the same word salak means to prosper. And this is amazing. The idea in the Hebrew of the Spirit of God coming upon us is linked to the idea of spiritual prosperity in the things of God. We want prosperity in the things of God, which means we can't desire for prosperity in the things of God without the element of the Holy Spirit, right? You will prosper. Is the same as the Spirit of God comes upon. And that word prosper means to push forward we're not talking about material economic prosperity here. To push forward, to break forth 
to come mightily, to break out. It means to succeed in a mission, to be profitable. It means to be an, if, an effective tool or weapon. The word obviously also describes the effect of the Holy Spirit upon a believer. When the Spirit of God comes upon, the Spirit of God coming upon David made him prosper in the things of God. Made him prosper in the things of God. To push forward. In other words, to have energy in the things of God. To not wake up and feel like, oh God, I want to give up. To break forth in power. To come mightily. To have divine energy and inspiration that drives you forward. To have a mental state that is healthy. A heart and the condition of your soul in a healthy space, allowing you to keep marching forward, to be profitable and to be successful in the mission of the Lord. That's what that word prosperity means. If we have economic prosperity without this, we're still not pro prosperous in the things of God. So LSA, let this be the year of pushing forward. Yeah? Yeah? Let this be the year of breaking forth. Let this be a year of coming mightily, of breaking out, of succeeding in the mission of the Lord. Let this be a year when we are profitable and we're an effective tool, an effective weapon in the hands of the Lord. Let this be a year when the Spirit of God comes upon us even more, as he did in 2022, that there will be more stories of the Holy Spirit upon us. A coming upon, like David, and being anointed, let this be a year of being anointed in the midst of our brothers. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of God, the Tzalak happened, comes upon and brings success, a forward movement inside of the life of David. From that day onwards, there was never a reverse gear in the life of David. He's a man moving forward. Why? Not because of positive thinking but because the Spirit of God rested upon. Let this be a year of resting and of hovering of the Spirit upon this church. May He hover upon our darkness and, and drought and brokenness to bring the life of God. Amen. Like the eagle. That's what that word means in Hebrews. I mean in, in Genesis. Uh, the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. Hovering over the earth. May you hover over this church to bring salak, to bring success, to bring this, a pushing forward, a breaking forth, a people with a mental energy that comes because of the anointing of the Spirit of God, a coming mightily, a breaking out, a sudden breaking out of the things of God. Yeah. That's what we want. The Spirit of God hovering over the darkness, hovering over the conditions of our lives. Hovering like the eagle. That's what that word describes in Genesis chapter 1. That you hovered over the darkness. Yeah. To bring success in the mission. To make us profitable. And may he make us an effective tool in the hands of God. An effective weapon in the hands of God. The coming of the spirit of God upon us is directly linked to our success in the mission of the kingdom of God. You cannot separate the two realities. We need the Spirit of God to keep coming 
in order to secure success and prosperity. Salak, that's what we want. That when we believe in the Lord, we shall prosper. Not meaning economic, simply economic prosperity, but meaning a condition of spiritual life that is pushing forward, amen, in the midst of challenges. A condition of spiritual life that is breaking forth, that like Joseph, that is climbing over the walls that knows no limitation except that limit that has been put by God. A condition of life that is coming mightily and is breaking out that is successful in the mission of God and that constantly brings profit even when there has been loss. That there is effectiveness as a tool in the hands of the Lord that with us, God can achieve a bunch of things. We are the Beckley acts of God. May he make us his Beckley acts inside of 2023. Amen. That he comes upon us by his spirit. May his oil, his anointing oil overflow. May he anoint us in the midst of our enemies. Spirit of God, come upon us inside of 2023. And bring more stories of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray.